It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Locked On. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Lana McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what is going on, sir? Not a bunch. I'm uh, still midway through my vacation, my staycation, as they terribly call it. Yep. I get to go to the beach today. So before I go to the beach, I get to talk Cowboys, which means that this is a an excellent vacation day. Absolutely. Um, let's go ahead and talk about this article that ES, ESPN's Matt Bowen posted the other day. Um, actually, it was a fantastic article. You guys need to go check it out. But he broke down uh, all of the personnel groupings in the NFL and which teams are the best at each of them. Uh, for the Cowboys, he called their 11 personnel package. Again, that's one running back, one tight end, three receivers. The best in the league. The team averaged over 7.1 yards per play last year. They used the 11 personnel package on 67% of the plays. Um, Lynn, I'm going to ask you this. First of all, why does that package work so well for the Cowboys? Well, I think it works. I mean, it worked well for the Cowboys a lot last year because, you know, a lot of the kind of toned down reasons that will work well this year. It's, they have three good receivers. You know what they're doing. Um, I think that, that have you know two of which are were explosive downfield receivers that really open things up uh, mm-hmm. in the shallow area of the field. And I think the three receivers – kind of help spread things out a little bit more, uh, you know, across the field uh, horizontally. And then when you combine that with a very good offensive line, you take a lot of the bodies out of the offensive line, uh, out of the box. Uh, it allows the, the offensive line to operate even even that much better. So that gives you your quarterback more time to throw the ball down the field. Uh, and that also gives your running back more space to run between the tackles or wherever they are. Uh, so I just think that you know it's it like like most personnel groupings that have success the the success itself is is based on the personnel in that grouping uh, and I think for the Cowboys you know despite the the loss of Travis Frederick uh, I, I think that you know they've gone from having a very good eleven personnel to potentially the best eleven personnel grouping in mm-hmm. the NFL with the addition of Ceedee Lamb. Absolutely. Uh, and I think it's fair to call that's going to be their base package this year, right? They're going to probably open games with 11 personnel. Um, it makes things easy on Prescott, right? Because he can see, you know, if there's if there's five guys in the box, he can audible to a run. And it's almost always going to be a successful play. Uh, if teams are loading up to stop the run, if they put seven guys in the box, uh, you're going to have some big advantages in the passing game. Lynn, I'm a little bit worried, though, about everything other than their 11 personnel because I, man, you look at their roster. It's perfectly set up for 11. 
everywhere else makes me a little nervous because if you run 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field, all of a sudden you're putting a Blake Bell or Dalton Schultz on the field, and I don't feel great about that player. If you want to run 21 personnel with two running backs on the field, um, you know, the Cowboys have now lost Jameis Olawali opting out. Um, so let's go ahead and start with this. Outside of 11 personnel, which grouping do you think the Cowboys will use the most this season? Uh, 10 personnel. Uh, no. Yeah, very likely, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that, you know, that they'll they'll definitely use uh, 12 personnel. They'll definitely use uh, 21 personnel. Maybe, now, again, not all 12 personnel and not all 21 personnel are the same, right? Like, yeah. you know, it, yeah. it could be about... Uh, uh, 21 personnel with, with Pollard in the backfield as well as Zeke. It could be uh, 12 personnel where uh, Schultz is lined up in line and uh, Jarwin is lined up out wide. You know, so I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, assumption and formation about what where these guys line up when the, they are you know, deployed as either you know, 11 personnel, 12 personnel, whatever. Uh, and I think that th- what you know what makes those personnel groupings outside of eleven, uh, you know the twelves and the twenty ones, is the kind of unique ways that you can deploy those players. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think that that's uh, that's really where you know you'll. I think that's where the the the, de- the devil in the details are. Is they, they have the, the you know maybe they don't have the uh, you know the tight end two that you want to like line up and dominate with uh but I, they have the means to maybe get you in a personnel a defensive personnel group that is not a good matchup for what they, we've got and they can find run a specific play that way i, I just think that you know the, the cowboys have kind of clearly set themselves up to run a lot of 11 personnel and that's fine because mm-hmm. it's such a versatile personnel group you could do so you could run and pass uh, very well out of them, maybe just as well as as the other, uh, and I think that they have the the the, the players to you know uh, to mix it up to occasionally do what they need to do in some of the other personnel groupings. But I do think it's pretty clear that they are going to make an effort to try to do a lot of what they're doing with that you know with those three receivers on the field with with jarwin with zeke and and see you know how far that personnel group can take them with the other personnel groups being more of either play specific or or you know exploiting a certain uh aspect of their defense of the other team's defense that sort of thing i I just think they have the ability to, to run those other formations uh but i do think you're right that they clearly are setting themselves up to run a whole bunch of 11 personnel. And that's fine. I have no problem with the Cowboys completely leaning into, you know, basically 70% of their plays coming out of 11 personnel. I just don't think they've done a great job of ensuring that, you know, if, if let's say Michael Gallup gets hurt in week two, all of a sudden now you have, I think, a hole as that number three receiver, but you don't really have anybody who's proven on the roster that's where I think the Cowboys should be actively looking to upgrade that wide receiver for because, again, if that's going to be your base package, you need to have some more depth at receiver. I'm just not quite sure that guys like Devin Smith and Noah Brown and John Vea Johnson are ready to be, you know, 70, you know, 70% of the offensive snaps on the field. I, I think... 
I think they've left themselves exposed a little bit. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's uh, it's it's tough to have you know steak dinners at every at every spot, and I think you're. Well, I, I agree, but once once you, I mean, you basically have no fullback and no reliable tight end too. So you you should be investing more into the the receiver position then, right? Well, I mean, yeah, absolutely, but I mean, look, I I think they're all dealing with what's going on right now. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, I think, I think right now it's, it's, it's hard to hold them to a standard that uh, is, you know, kind of difficult for them to meet just, you know, because of world circumstances, not necessarily circumstances of their own. So I don't disagree that they should probably upgrade the position. I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little confused on exactly how that gets done at this point. You know, like, I, I mean, can do they bring in a guy? Do they, you know, trade for a guy? Do they, you know, I, I just think the problem is, is that the normal mechanisms that are, you know, al- allowed to them are kind of all jumbled right now because of COVID. You know, it's difficult to just bring in guys for workouts. It's difficult to look at street free agents, or at least it's more difficult than it was before. So I, I don't think that, you know, I don't think that it's a matter of no, they don't need to make a change or an upgrade at some of these spots i think it's more just uh, it's how do you upgrade well and also it's it's a little bit lower down on the priority right now right now they're trying to you know i mean they barely just finalized contract language to get these players into training camp you know so i i just think that there's a lot of uh, of things that have to get kind of sorted out before we're starting to see some more of these, okay, this is where we are. This is what the roster is that we're going into training camp. Let's start looking at what we've got and where up. I just don't think we're at the point where yet where they're considering upgrades. I still think they're trying to figure out how to get bodies into camp. I think that's fair. Um, I do think the Cowboys have, what, a month until the season kicks off. <laughs> I, I would just like to see them somehow upgrade that position just a little bit. And I think there are guys out there in free agency and maybe they make some calls, but um, you're kind of starting to see now wide receivers are kind of being depleted across the league with guys opting out. Uh, There's some injuries. So uh, their abilities to upgrade that position are kind of shrinking by the day. Um, Let's take a a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk uh, more about wide receivers. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, Landon, the other day uh, you were in a group DM with me and at Cowboy Stats. Um, and we had an interesting discussion. So I, for a long time, have believed that wide receivers should get credit for uh, calls that they draw. For example, if you are a, let's say you're Amari Cooper, and on a third and seven, you draw a pass interference call for 15 yards down the field, um, that's a huge, huge play in the game that you get no credit in the stat sheet for, 
right? It just goes down as a penalty. Uh, the Cowboys keep moving the ball down the field, uh, and Amari Cooper gets no credit for it. Um, so I asked our friend Daniel Houston, again, at Cowboy Stats, if there was a way to look back at which receivers have drawn the most penalties over the last few years, uh, and our guy came up with a, an impressive chart since 1999, all of the number of penalties drawn by a receiver and the expected points added on those penalties. Uh, and it's a, fin, it's a fascinating chart. Um, atop the list is Larry Fitzgerald. This is a little bit of a longevity thing. He's drawn 63 penalties over the last, uh, I don't even know how long he's been in the league now. Um, you know, you do see some guys like Des Bryant at near the bottom of the list. Um, but one of the things that was really the most surprising to me is the type of receiver uh, that draws the most penalties. My assumption going in to this was that fast receivers, guys that can just blow yeah. by defenders are the ones that are drawing the most penalties. And in fact, that's not the case at all. It's actually the bigger body receivers, the Larry Fitzgeralds, the Reggie Waynes, Donald Drivers, Anquan Bolden. I'm, I'm just reading from the top down on this list. Mm-hmm. Plexico Burris, DeAndre Hopkins. Those are the receivers that are drawing the most penalties. Um, so I'm going to ask you this, Landon. Number one, is that surprising to you? And number two, what were some of your takeaways from looking at this chart? Uh, I, I think it was surprising uh yeah, I, mean, I think we we both anticipated similar things. I thought that the the, the speedier players would be drawing the more of these penalties, um, and I and I think now that we've looked at it, it does make sense that it is this way. You know, like mm-hmm. I because I, I, I can actually make sense of it that you know, oh, a bigger receiver that is down the field, he's going to get pulled on. You know, it's just because the, these guy, a guy like Larry Fitzgerald, they haven't really made a cornerback that's as big as him yet. So, yeah. uh, you know, except for maybe Chris Westry, if Chris well, Westry I, I think, worked out this offseason. But, you know, I think that's, yeah. that's part of it. It's just, you know, when you're being physical with these guys, and I'm, you know, I'm sure they're being physical with you too. Like, that's just part of it. So that these, these calls are probably the more – the I, you know, I think there's two things here. It's how many times does pass interference get committed and how many times does it get called? Because that's right. that's the thing yes. here. I think it's easier to see pass interference being committed against big receivers. I think it's, it's a yes. lot easier for fast corners uh, to subtly pull and tug on fast receivers and thereby limiting them. And I think that's a, di- a little bit more difficult to call for a ref because you got to see it at the exact moment it's happening. I think the holding that goes on for some of these big wide receivers down the field, that's fighting at the point of attack to get the ball. And I think that's really a lot easier to witness for a referee than a subtle tug of a jersey as you try to uh, get past a guy on a nine route, right? So I think that's I think that's part of that uh, of 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 this you know chart and explaining some of this chart. Uh, but I also think that, yeah, like what we what what we just mentioned, we didn't give enough, you know, credit to or I guess rev- deference to what these big wide receivers do to cornerbacks once they're you know out alone down the field with these mm-hmm. guys and 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 the and the fear that is incited by ha- being outsized by an out you know out jumped or however you want to phrase that by a wide receiver down the field when you're all alone with no safety help. So uh, I think that's that's something that clearly these numbers point to being a, a, a big – those two things, the, the, the fact that it's, e- it's easier to, for the rest to see and also because it's required of these smaller cornerbacks mm-hmm. down the field, 
I think those point to why you're seeing the, the numbers being the way they are. Yeah, I want to talk about this in the you know the application for the Cowboys this year, but this actually came back to, and the reason I, I thought about this over the weekend was I was watching the Cowboys playoff game against the Lions um, and was tweeting about it and that kind of stuff, and you know I was talking about Dez, and some people were saying Dez did not have a good game in that one. Um, he only had three catches for 48 yards. Why didn't he show up more in that game? He had a big advantage. And you go back and watch that game, Dez had three different plays on a third down where he drew either a holding call or a defensive pass interference call. Doesn't go in the stat sheet. Doesn't count as a target or a reception or anything like that. Uh, but those are big points in the game that end up leading to, to you know scoring opportunities for the Cowboys. And I, I guess it never felt fair to me uh, that we don't talk about that in terms of the value for a receiver. Yes, so, uh, and that's, that's why I think this is important. As for the Cowboys this year, um, you know, going into the draft, I thought it was important that the Cowboys find some speed at receiver because they don't really have that guy that can take the top off the defense. But now I'm wondering, does it even really matter that much if you have three big physical receivers that can draw penalties, right? CeeDee Lamb, while he's only, you know, 197 pounds or whatever, one of the most physical receivers I've seen come into the draft in a long time. Uh, so if he's able to draw, let's say, four penalties over the course of a season that turn into, you know, scoring opportunities, that probably is more valuable than a receiver that hits only two big plays all year long. Um, so, uh, again, how do you think this is going to impact the Cowboys knowing that bigger receivers typically do draw more penalties? Because I think Michael Gallup is another guy that could draw a lot of down-the-field penalties this year for the Cowboys. I think the thing with speed receivers is that, it, you know, the biggest effect ultimately that happens is psychological, right? Is that, mm-hmm. is, you know, with, with, whether it's the coaching staff, uh, the defensive coaching staff having to prepare for that guy each week uh, and just, you know, needing to account for their defensive schematically, you know, incorporating something to be able to stop that kind of speed. Or if it's just, you know, and, and this is enough, trust me, if it's just the psychology of the cornerback that has to face him, you know, and and, yeah, and the yeah. idea that he's got to play a couple extra steps off. And, I mean, I think Tavon Austin, you know, I think is a great example of a guy who, I mean, he doesn't have incredible skill as far as a wide receiver goes. But, I mean, again, even last year at times, like, you, you felt like, he could get open because his speed facilitated stop routes so well that everyone is basically taking an extra two steps you know, on top of him to make sure uh, uh, that they aren't getting beat deep and, and allowing him everything he wants underneath on stop routes. So I, I think that's really the, the spot where you start to see the kind of influence. And that's maybe why we have a hard time quantifying the value of players like Rugs and, and and you know some of these guys who are pure speed merchants that are coming into the league and because right. because you know unless you've got statistics to back it up to like you know proof you know it's it's tough to know if you're going to have that same kind of psychological effect uh, you know in the NFL as you did in college so uh, I think that what we've seen here is that. The Cowboys have the ability, and this is this has kind of been an interesting point that I've thought about before too. Is that the Cowboys don't have necessarily another Tavon Austin on the team currently, but they also no. didn't use Tavon Austin, 
in the manner that we are suggesting that they use a speed receiver as much. Sure. Right? They 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 sent sure. him deep a couple times, but it was it was you know all kind of more random as it was you know a, a regular event. And if anything, they were sending Cooper and, and Gallup down the field, and those were the guys who were the field stretchers, and they had no issues with getting those guys down the field. So I think that you know you're right that those guys probably you know, you'll start to see more and more of those penalties start to show up as they are getting more and more down the field and teams are concerned about it i just wonder if like and i guess i let me back up i don't i wonder if the cowboys really need another quote-unquote deep threat because all three of these guys despite being you know bigger receivers have the skill set, which I think is required of, of certain bigger receivers to fluidly get downfield quickly. And I don't think yeah. that that's necessarily yep. something that all big receivers have the ability to do. I think that these three specifically ha- are very skilled uh, and have the ability to, you know, despite their larger size for wide receivers, have their ability to slip past uh, corners and get up the field quickly without having, you know, to waste too much time and, and you know basically serve as the kind of deep threats you know each one of them can kind of serve as an individual deep threat on any given play i think we can kind of tie this up um talking about this just generally I, i'm still curious to see and we need to do a lot more research on this yeah. but my thought is that speed is a little overrated when it comes to receivers. I, I mean, obviously, you need to have a baseline of speed, right? You can't be running a 4.8 in the NFL and have success. It, there's certainly a baseline number. Um, but what this chart tells me is it, size might be more valuable in just terms of drawing penalties than overall speed. Um, it, again, I, I think it's a fascinating study of, of what's more important in today's NFL having size to box out smaller defenders or having the speed to run past them. I, uh, it's like, yeah, go I ahead. would just say that, again, we should be careful because that's the thing about when we are kind of asking Daniel. And first of all, everyone, make sure you guys go follow at yes. Cowboy Stats yes. if you aren't because not only is, our, is he our buddy, but he's one of the best followers on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that we need to be careful when we are commissioning you know, Daniel and other people to help us kind of scrape using R and getting this data because a lot of times context here can be extremely difficult to parse because, yes. you know, look, yes. I mean, like, it's like we just said, there's a lot of context here. You know, a lot of these, these are the, this, this stat, what we discovered again was just what penalties were called. So this doesn't necessarily mean, you know, this doesn't necessarily point out that there isn't a uh, an effect that f- speedy receivers have we need to be careful not to jump too too far of our conclusions based on this information you know because I th- right because we don't we don't have the data of like how far do safeties line up when you have yes speed at receiver versus not speed yes at receiver. absolutely and I, I will say this though i think the more and more that we kind of you know reveal these kind of stats it's like it's like archaeology like you get the brush and you're like and you found something Mm -hmm. in the dirt and you're just dusting it off and you're not sure the shape of it at first but you know that you've got something right it's like i think that what what we've discovered what we're you know slowly chipping away at, at is that the effect that these small speedy receivers have seems to be large majority a psychological effect right or and and i think it's hard to quantify yeah it's very hard to quantify because ultimately it manifests itself in 
like I said, how how the defense is asked to line up, how the how the cornerback himself lines up, you know, and and then and then a large another large portion of it, which we will never be able to scrape with R, is what's the psychological effect on the cornerback? You know, what's the mm-hmm. what's what's going on between the ears of the of the coaches and the players as they are trying to manage this incredibly speedy player. You know, and I think that's yeah. the the information that you know that we're not ever going to get, <laughs> you know, a full kind of statistical breakdown to to because that there's not you know any kind of stat to put to that. That's more about offensive coordinators having conversations with defensive coordinators about what scares you. You know, what's this? What's that? What's that? And 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 you know what we may discover, Marcus, is that the more and more we start to uh, kind of parse through this. Maybe what we discover is that all that fear of speed is is unwarranted, right? And maybe yeah, and maybe it yeah. is purely psychosomatic that like that that they are f- afraid of this, and that maybe once we've g- gone through a deep enough uh, analytical study, we find, hey, you know what? These guys aren't really hurting people the way that everyone assumed they were. This is why I love the analytic community because we're always you know diving into these kind of questions and trying to search out for answers and it seems like the more you dig uh the, the more you find out you don't really know anything and that's just i mean that's, that's what everything I love about right football too. isn't that everything right. that the more you learn about a subject matter the more you understand that you don't understand right and it's again it's important to to use context and contextualize all this stuff but it's 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 fascinating to, to see what we uh, dig and find out. Um, that's a good discussion. We're, we're going to have more of these over the course of the year. Um, our fr- again, our friend Daniel Houston at Cowboy Stats is always bringing uh, us good stats to, to challenge our thought process and uh, expose our priors a little bit. So uh, we'll continue to do that over the course of the year. Uh, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow the show at Locked On Cowboys. You can follow Landon at McCoolBCB. And you can follow me at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you next time. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.